Good morning. On this bowl of question crunch, we have the host of All Things Relative podcast, Sam Boy. He's here to answer questions regarding a wide range of racial issues that surround our everyday life, from music to comic books to the overwhelming streams of social media we voluntarily drown ourselves in. <laughs> I like to just dive right into the conversation naturally, organically. And mm-hmm. listening to your podcast, I hear you do the same thing because uh, it always just starts up right in the conversation. And one of my favorite yeah. ones when uh, <laughs> when you started with saying about the uh, the recording logo to make sure you're okay. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of my, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's uh, yeah because the last couple of ones that I've done, the last couple of episodes I did were through. Um, we used a couple of different other video conference ones or whatever, and it's like a couple of times we for, I forget to start recording, or uh-huh. um, you know, so so sometimes you just actually end up catching stuff, you know, uh, uh, you're 15 minutes into a conversation, you forget, and you're like, damn, that was all gold, and then you start again, and then that was actually something that came out of out of that. So 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 yeah, and it's just like those those are moments that you can't really write, so you just kind of just, you know, you just kind of let it flow. <laughs> I know exactly how I feel. I just, one of my favorite things was when you did say, you know, uh, there's that icon that says the recording icon. And mm-hmm. I was like, yep, there, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, on one of these, on one of these, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, yeah, you go for it. I think we're recording. I like, I like it starting right here. This is good to <laughs> just us talking. <laughs> no, I love it because I, I forget which, I forget which app it is. It's, um, uh, I don't think it's Zoom because I barely use that, but one of the apps, like they tell you, hey, avoid legal issues by telling people they're being recorded. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's this one. I, I think we have like a heads up thing. <laughs> yeah, pro- yeah, probably on your end. On your end, yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about your podcast. Okay. Uh, it's all relative. Um, I loved it. I, I, I love it. I love listening to it. Um, one of my favorite things, and uh, I recently listened to the... Uh, the one where you're talking about uh, COVID-19 and conspiracies. And that was an interesting one. And it really, I think it opened my eyes on what is meant by uh, it's all relative because you and your guests were talking about COVID and conspiracies and your guest was kind of frustrating me. It was kind of, I was, (laughs) because he was talking about, um, he was talking about hospitals getting money for talking about more COVID cases. Mm -hmm. And, I was just like, no, that's not, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like yeah. just the conspiracies around COVID. And then you would come up and saying, like explaining that that's not a thing and explaining the details behind the subject or where people are getting this idea. And I mm-hmm. thought that was really cool seeing the two sides of a conversation, having a, having a conversation about it. Yeah. Um, what started the all, it's all relative. So uh, it's all relative. You know, obviously that phrase just means, you know, you got to take everything on a case by case basis or that context is critical that, you know, that after a while, I just kind of realized that was kind of the general uh, framework that I operated in. So just kind of, you know, observing the way that I think and the way that I engage with others. And then as far as like, oh, I want to develop a platform or a space where I can have these conversations and talk about things in the way that I want was probably um, was probably like around 2015, 2016 time. And when I was thinking about it, it specifically comes from, like, discovering Patrice O'Neill through Opie and Anthony, Um, which, for those that don't know, Opie and Anthony, Patrice O'Neill was a comic. Um, He was, like, a, he was considered a, quote, unquote, like, a comic's favorite comic and whatnot, which means he was known very much in the scene and not much in the mainstream. And um, and then, excuse me, Opie and Anthony were two, like, shock jock radio guys who were, like, followed in the, in the, in the, uh, they were, like, the generation after Stern. Uh, uh, to put that in context for people. But they were shock jocks and they would have, you know, all the edgiest people, especially from like comedy and entertainment media uh, come in and, uh, you know, just really, you know, spit for real, you know, how they really felt. Uh, it wasn't like a regular, like, interviews. And anyway, you know, and it's just like, even listening to those, when I would disagree with them, I was like, damn, you know, at least it's a space where they can be candid, where people can be vulnerable, even if their views um, seem very despicable or, or off-center or whatnot. And then it also helped me to realize how much of my own opinions and point of view were not as mainstream as I thought. So it was kind of like a wake up, a wake up call to me, like, like, hey, you don't really fit in 
you're only going to be able to fit in or get along uh, uh, so much. Um, so you're better off trying to lean into these other parts, you know, saying they make you a little less, uh, uh, quote unquote, digestible. Um, but I would, but I would say, like, yeah, like in the like after discovering Patrice O'Neill and Opie and Anthony, 2015, 2016, that was like, okay, I need my own platform and uh, uh, my own space and whatever to do my thing. And so I began. I just barely begun this back in September 2019. So it hasn't even been. It's only, it's been barely uh, uh, just over six months. You know, and it's uh, and it's everywhere. It's on you know, it's on Facebook, all the streaming platforms, Instagram, etc. Uh, but yeah, but that's, you know, that's when it started. And, and uh, uh, you know, I'm kind of surprised at how much attention it's, you know, it's kind of getting and how it's continuing to spread, you know, bit by bit. Well, it's great. I feel, I feel like you cover topics and it doesn't feel like you, you're, you're saying that uh, your, your opinions are not necessarily mainstream, but I feel like the way you handle them is... I don't want to say mainstream, but, and I don't want to say politically correct, but you do navigate in a way that does, it is digestible. It is, it's, it's, I think more people should think like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is ultimately, you know, you know, ultimately like another driving for, like when you also ask like what started it, another thing was realizing the fact that, Hey, I want to spread my gospel. I want, <laughs> I want more people to be talking about things the way that I want and the issues that I care about and, and, and et cetera. And what I had to come to grips with the fact is <clears throat> that as a creator, because uh, I was already a musician and, and, and uh, writer and whatnot and doing these other creative ventures and stuff, right? But no, no, not much success, just kind of like a, a, a hobby, right? And um, we have this tendency when we're starting off to just be like, oh, no, I don't want to promote. I don't want to market. I don't want to make myself you know what I'm saying, compromise, because I don't want people to discover my raw, unfiltered stuff, and it's just like, that's not how it really works, that's not how you discovered most of the stuff that, that really impacts you, and, um, you know, I think, because I think it oftentimes it's just an excuse for people to, for artists to, um, to justify not pushing their own boundaries and not trying to learn other skills beyond those which they just want to use, you know, it's like, no, there's not a lot of fun in, in marketing, there's not a lot of fun in trying to listen to, uh, 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 play devil's advocate or listen to all these different sides, but they make a more whole, they give me a more whole understanding and different way of engaging, you know, with people. Because um, like you said, like I try to make it, I, I want to make these things that were unapproachable for me, uh, uh, you know, how would I make them a little more approachable for a person, you know, like me who is, you know, fairly intelligent, fairly able to absorb this stuff, but for the most part, I was kind of like a, a, a mental dropout you know saying from a lot of political and social stuff i was just you know like you know that's other people's problems i don't have to worry about it i'm gonna just go and retreat to my uh uh you know my little my little hole or whatever and uh but after a while you just after a while you just have to realize that's not really you and you have to you know you really got to start being more proactive um you know so that was also a big part of it just recognizing the fact that no i actually want to shape other people's minds and (laughs) in the way that they think and i have to i have to accept that and and, and, uh, acknowledge that about myself because before then I was fucking miserable. When were you a mental dropout? Just because uh, when we first met, I think we had great conversations. Well, I'm talking about like, well, like I said, I just got the idea to do this stuff like 2015, oh, okay. 2016, right? So I'm 31 years old now. So yeah. um, it, it, I, I would say that I had a general lack of direction from uh, throughout my like teenage years and whatnot. Not that I wasn't doing stuff, but I just didn't have a strong sense of identity. And so after high school, is when I um, uh, I left. I left California. I went to go live in North Carolina for a bit. And you know, I was like, I'm still engaged. And I'm still you know learning stuff. But it took a few years for me to really get into that space where I'm like, I really want to engage um, and and really throw my weight around and really get into this you know stuff. Because I would get into like arguments and stuff every once in a while. But for the most part, I was I very much had the attitude of like, I'm just happy to be here. You know, I'm just so happy to be meeting new people. I'm just so happy to be at a different job. I'm just so happy to, to, to be here. And after a while, you start to realize, actually, you know, that was, you know, that kind of gets you through like the first couple of weeks, but it's not a real long term. Uh, uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't really keep you satisfied long term and whatnot. So, so, uh, so yeah, so like, so that's the thing, like in the last five or six years has been part of that, like, okay, I need to, I need to, I need to make this turn, this, this change in, in, uh, in course direction. And uh, so I've more or less kind of been on that path for like maybe like six, seven years. 
one of my uh, it's it's interesting because that may that reminds me of the other episode that you did with uh talking about uh spirituality and religion and uh i never heard <laughs> i never heard atheism described uh, more my type of atheism better i haven't heard anyone describe my type of atheism better than you have where it's uh okay. i don't i don't know there's a god there might be but that's irrelevant because all i care about <laughs> is making this shit better <laughs> exactly it's like like simple as that you know speaking to those real visceral you know, feelings. Cause like to go back to what you said about my homie with the, uh, talking about the COVID-19 conspiracy, yeah. you know, one of the things that I brought up was understanding that the reason why people run to stuff like that, run to conspiracy theories, even people who have educations, advanced degrees and, and are worldly and whatnot, isn't for a lack of intelligence. It's for a wanting to see a, con it's, it's this human thing where, no, there has to be somebody tending the light at the end of the tunnel. There has to be some divine order coming out of this. And because the thing is, it is very, it can be very uh, burdensome to imagine that, no, we really are out here on our own, randomly floating on this giant blue rock for no goddamn reason. And all the, all the feelings and emotions and consciousness that you're experiencing now will be completely absent. Because it, it's impossible to really imagine that because it's beyond the limitations of, of what you can experience now. You know, um, so it's like it's it's really great. It's great. It's 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 coming to grips with that true human, um, you know, feelings, you know, but helping give them another way and saying, hey, what about did you consider this perspective? Did you, did you consider this angle of how to direct that that cynicism and that nihilism and that, you know, uh, uh, that confusion about life? You know, it's just it's just showing people there's a different option that that's a little more uh, straightforward. I, yeah. I I totally dig that. Um, a lot of times when I've uh, talked to people about that kind of concept is, uh, and I've been using this a lot more lately, uh, using the example of the anglerfish. Mm. <laughs> and it's it's odd. It's not it's not even the anglerfish. In, it's not specifically anglerfish because it's I'm not even talking about uh, the physical features of the anglerfish. I talk about as in uh, when someone says, oh well, you know, everything happens for a reason, and I'm oh. like, really. Like the anglerfish, like everything happens for a reason. Like the anglerfish is just swimming around and they have like an end goal. And they're like, oh, man, I'm glad that this water is in a place where I need it to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've done that so many times where I'm saying like, because like I've gotten addicted to watching uh, rapture videos of crazy people on YouTube. And, <laughs> and I always think about like, you know, in their videos, they always say the rapture happens and the world happens. A lot of people get taken and the rest of us suffer. I'm like, then mm. why the fuck does the anglerfish even exist if this world is just going to be doomed? <laughs> it, yeah. It, 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 I mean, the thing is, like, and you can apply that same question to really any phase of this stuff. It's like, any phase. wait a minute, <laughs> any phase of it, it's like, wait, it's like, wait a minute, why does there need to be a New Testament if everything in the Old Testament was right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or like, if this stuff was so important, if this stuff was so true to like the human condition expressing life, why does it need to be written down in the first place? Why is it not yeah. something that can just be injected into people's minds? You know? <laughs> there's, a whole, there's a whole lot of polar bears just roaming the world and they don't know anything about the New Testament. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, you know, and it, it's basic stuff. And sometimes when you talk to certain people, you can realize that they just never had somebody present these simple possibilities to them. And then, you know, hopefully you're able to distinguish them from the people who have heard these things, but they've really bought into the shit. Um, uh, what they they may actually really believe in it or not, but in any case, at the end of the day, they're maintaining the infrastructure uh, because they see some benefit to them. Um, uh, you know, through it, whether it is just genuinely keeping their particular faith or if it's just a grift or a way to control, you know, seeing the masses and whatnot, you know, but I, but I feel like more and more people, you know, obviously uh, this has been going on for decades, uh, uh, you know, even before Nietzsche declared that we, uh, God is dead and we killed him, um, you know, it's not that people stop being religious or people stop being spiritual. It's just that now, even as a religious spiritual person, you're confronted with certain questions of, okay, why did World War I happen? Why did, you know what I'm saying, why were people able to do all these different genocides, not just the Holocaust, but plenty of other ones that happened in different countries at the same time? Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. You were going to say something, though? Oh, no, I was, I was enjoying what you were saying. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. No, it, it, uh, that's, that's, the, that's the, yeah, that's, the, yeah, that's, yeah, that's my feelings on that. Um, 
Um, we're all just, it's such a daunting thought to be like, yeah, we're just kind of navigating this shit on our own. But I realized that like, <clears throat> but, but it's the thing is it's starting to happen with every institution. You know what I'm saying? It's happened with our mm-hmm. churches, it's happened with almost every level of politicians, you know what I'm saying? Local businesses, even, even, even like nonprofits and charities and stuff. You know what I'm saying? As we keep seeing people's masks behind people's masks and facades and shit. Um, it's funny that you bring that up because that was one of my questions. I liked it. Yeah, I remember that yeah, earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you told me that last night, and I I really wanted you to elaborate. So I'm like, yes, cool, natural, organic. <laughs> so continue. A, a lot of folks' illusions and masks falling off. Yeah, so a lot of folks' illusions are falling with the masks. Um, you know, essentially, in this system, we are said that look, your these are your rights. These are, you know, your privileges. These are the, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the main thing that we're given as uh, Yankees, as United States citizens, right, is our ability to consume and this um, facade of choice. You have 500 different Pringles choices, 300 different styles of toothbrush, 300, you know, whatever the fuck, right? Um, all the while, your genuine rights and liberties and privacy is uh, slowly being uh, taken away from you, right? But a lot of people were willing to go along with that because it's like, well, hey, I'm still able to upgrade my microwave. I'm still able to get, you know, saying new trinkets. I'm able to, you know, saying keep going to the gym and taking my partner out to restaurants and doing the things they blah, 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 right? Um, so it seems like a fair compromise. But now that people are, in one hand, desperate, you know, saying because of like the pandemic and because of the economic fallout and everything, um, or they've really just become cynical about the system. Now they're kind of like, well, if you're not even going to, if I'm not even getting money out of this arrangement anymore, then what the hell am I maintaining this mask for? What the hell am I maintaining this performance for? Um, and so it's just a lot more people realizing that, hey, their leash was not as tight or as uh, short as they as they were taught to believe. That's pretty neat. Uh, why am I why am I why am I doing this performance if I, if you're not even going to keep me comfortable? <laughs> exactly. That was the only th- that was the only thing y'all were offering me that I was going to have some sense of comfort. I was going to have some degree of choice in in um, in um, con- you know consumption. I had some entertainment or whatever. And even though I may criticize it a bunch, I still go back to it day after day after day. Um, but then you take away you know saying the little bit of my ability to even indulge in these things. Um, then it's like no holds bar, and they and the thing is the powers that be they recognize this. They know they know that. You know, which is why, <clears throat> which is why, with the exception of like Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates, like really, really top tier motherfuckers, even people who have like a hundred million dollars and everything are hurting a bit. You know what I'm saying? Because they see that they see that first of all, a lot of that income is not going to come back. But even if it did, the jobs and st- stuff did come back, people's devotion is not going to is definitely not coming back. You know, um, everybody, you know, people have finally seen that a lot of their heroes, this is, and this is from like a JPEG Mafia album. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a rap artist uh, called All My Heroes Are Cornballs. And uh, I kind of laughed when I first heard it. And then I started thinking about like, uh, uh, started thinking about like the concept of hero worship and idolatry and idols and everything. And it's just like um, kind of seeing that, 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 that it's a recognition that even the people you worship and the people you learn so much from are still fallible humans. And uh, at any point in time, can be a disappointment to themselves. So expect them to disappoint you as well. You know, so that's pretty good. And what, what's that song? Because I, I want to check it out. Uh, the song and the album are called uh-huh. "All My All My Heroes Are Cornballs." Okay. Yeah, and the artist is JPEG Mafia. I'll check that out. Yeah. Uh, uh, spoiler uh, alert: I'm not really too uh, musically hip. <laughs> hey man, it's it's, it's 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 all good, bro. And the thing is, it's just like. Even as somebody who makes music and loves music, I don't, I'm not able to keep up with it. I'm not, I'm not as, uh, I, I understand because there's always so much more shit. There's, you know, I mean, it, it was always going to be impossible to listen to all the stuff, but now it's just like, now it just seems so completely insurmountable to even bother trying to keep up with it. <laughs> shit. So, so yeah, so don't feel at bad. First, at first, there was a facade of a hope that you could, and now it's like, <laughs> no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, Exa- exactly, exactly. If, if people can share a thing and I like a thing and I can, and I have time to click a thing, I'll check it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw a stat. I saw an, um, a graphic the other day that shocked me because, of course, we know that stream, streaming music has taken over. Just streaming in general is the next wave. But mm-hmm. I didn't realize that people weren't downloading shit like at all. Like downloading is almost gone the way of of CDs. 
um, like looking at these numbers. And I was just wow. like, oh, I was like, really? Because like, you know, and I try not to use myself in this example because I'm, I don't know what the exact name for it is, but I'm a disloyal consumer. Mm-hmm. It's like, I will drop your shit. I will, I will drop your shit buying your stuff at the, at the drop of, at a, at a moment's notice and completely forget about you. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I'm not, it's like, I am not, uh, I'm, I'm going to be like, um, uh, shit, what's the, what's the name? An outlier. I'm an outlier. Okay. When they're doing, when they're doing the assessment, like, oh, we're going to get like 20 grand out of an average. For, oh, and then like a, a sample, we're going to get like maybe $500. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the season, right. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um, but, but yeah, but the original thing was folks' illusions falling with the mask. You go along with the illusion and put up the, excuse me, you, 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 you keep your mask on and go along with the illusion as long as it's, as long as it, it, it's beneficial to you. You lose a little, a little bit of benefits, you have nothing else to lose. And there's nothing scarier than a motherfucker that has nothing to lose and is angry and knows that you have their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and there's and there's just been a huge all these different factors that have come together have made people have to come to grips with this fact. So just like you know, when Nietzsche was like, "God is dead," and we killed him. I mean, to a certain degree, Hollywood is dead, and we killed it. Mainstream media is dead, and we killed it. Our political idols, to a certain degree, have um, a cult, of, certain cults of personality. We we um uh we killed them. You know, and that's not to say those things won't happen again, but it's going to look completely different. It's going to have different standards, um, you know, than before. That's why we have these movements that are like calling people out for doing shit, even if it's 20, 30 fucking years ago. Like you drugged and raped me or you assaulted me or you were, you know, you were, you know, racist or bigoted as fuck in this respect. Oh, well, it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. But the ramifications lived on. So, you know, we see we need some type of restorative justice, you know. Um, but yeah, that reminds, but, yeah, go ahead. I was going to no, say no, that. That, that reminds me of like the people that always go on uh, saying that, oh, man. I'm glad there was no social media when I was in high school because I would have I'd done some shit. And I feel like, well, I wish there was social media back then because I would like to find out what shit you did. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I feel like that's how the CEOs are with their companies where it's like, uh, oh, man, I'm that has no Twitter. And now Twitter's here. And now we can find out what the fuck have you been up to? <laughs> no, that's that's exactly it. it you know, it's it's. it's you know, like I think about like, <clears throat> you know, I think about that. I was, you know, edgy as, as anybody else. And I and I'm not mad at, um, uh, you know, it's like I understand the thrill of pushing the edge, pushing the edge of the boundaries of good taste and uh, so, you know, social conformity and, and you know, all that good stuff. Um, you know, but once again, it's that we're finding, you know, edginess is you can say edginess is dead and we killed it, you know, um, not to say that, that there's not going to be any edginess going forward or flagrancy is another word that I, I hear being used, but that it's going to have different boundaries. It's going to have a different set of conditions. And now you're not going to be able to just get away with simply saying, oh, relax, it's just a joke. It's like, no, you're going to need to be a little more sophisticated um, in your delivery. Either you're going to have to be able to know how to hide it better, or you're going to have to be able to slip in nuance and, and uh, different angles, but still make it snappy and quick and shit and, and quotable. Um, and I feel like uh, with uh, whenever, whenever someone brings up Blades and Sandals, they make it seem like we're getting more sensitive. <laughs> and it's like, no, they just did it better. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they, they they're so stuck on a lot of these people. And this is another thing I've talked about in one of my earlier podcasts. Because yeah. I, I did um, uh, stand-up, right? And I was only active in stand-up for a couple of years. But, you know, I've all, I'm somebody who's always with my friends and just always attempted to be funny and make jokes and whatnot. So it was... So it's pretty natural, right? And I still try to keep that to a certain degree in, in the different content I create. And, um, you know, so, and this is a conversation that has not died, you know, because, you know, as people have changed and certain groups have spoken up and said that, hey, it's not that we don't appreciate funniness, but did you realize that, that there's this other dynamic to it, that there are some people who use these jokes as vehicles to, as a temperature check, to be like, how rate to be, basically they're trying to see how much you agree with their real socio-political views under the guise of humor. And so um, with the rise of you know Trump and the rise of like the alt-right and the rise of this new these new generation of motherfuckers who know how to stealth stealthily pass their ideas, um, it makes us on the other side that are opposed to that also have to step our game up. They've stepped their game up at the end of the day. Um, and we need to and we need to do the same. You know, but that's 
you know, but that's how it goes. It's just like how the police or whatever, they get new surveillance technology. So as a criminal, you have to find better ways of hiding your stuff and staying off the radar. And it's just a, a cat and mouse game, you know? That reminds me of the Batman line of escalation. <laughs> Which won't remind me. I'm not too familiar. Uh, it's from the Bat. It's from Batman Begins when he's talking about, you know, what about escalation? Batman's like escalation. He's like, well, you know, uh, someone who wears a Kevlar suit, you get a, a armor-piercing bullets. You dress up like a bat, and this guy, and he brings out the card of Joker. He's like, oh, he's a guy that tastes of theatrics. It's the whole escalation of like, <laughs> you get better at catching me, I'm gonna get better at avoiding you. <laughs> Yep, exactly, exactly, and that's the game, and that's the game, until one of you takes the other person out or makes the other one so um, marginalized that no matter how much they kick and scream, it doesn't mean anything. I really hope it's a ladder <laughs> for the bad you know, guys. It, well, exactly, well, the thing is, is that, like, that's kind, of, that's kind of why the reason we're in this position now, because you had, a, you know, you had, like, the generation of people who were around for, like, the 60s and 70s and stuff, and they made a lot of monumental changes and a lot of great stuff that needed to happen. But I feel like a lot of people in those spaces, liberal and left-wingers, kind of said, well, we got, the, we got past these big hurdles uh, and, and, and rubbed their hands and just went, all right, our work here is done. And uh, <laughs> those following were kind of like the Generation Xers and then onward were kind of like, hey, we're still kind of fucked up over here. Uh, you know, and as a matter of fact, it seems like things are starting to get worse with this, like, with with like you know Nixon and Reagan and the Southern strategy and um, all this and then the third way uh, third way liberalism and shit, um, you know all that shit. But but no, but I feel like that that's the problem is that like you know because people talk about oh you know we used to get along so well everything used to be so cool well we were ignoring shit we weren't addressing we weren't asking these questions or it was a lot easier to just brush it under the rug, but now we have not we have so much evidence in video and audio we have so much data and research and we have so much testimony right um and then people are already cynical and nihilistic as fuck so then you actually give them validation for the way that they feel and 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 and, and it's like what do you what do you expect them to do you know and it's like some people what we're seeing now is a backlash of people whom they, they, for so long, were able to get away with just shushing you, with just saying, be quiet, you're not, you know, you can't, or prove it, and now that we can prove it, and they can't use that excuse anymore, now it's like, well, finders keepers, you're going to have to come and take it from me. Yeah. No. <laughs> well put. <laughs> and terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it is, and um, it is, but in the end, it's all better for us to recognize just what, how high the stakes are, as opposed to just going around being like, Oh, somebody else will take care of it, or you know, things will be better to, or or it, it what was the thing they were saying for um for kids that were uh, scared of coming out, um, it gets better, and it's yeah. like no, actually it does it doesn't just get better. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. Sometimes yeah. and sometimes it sometimes you know you don't know if you're the person who's going to be like the martyr or the sacrificial lamb, you know, saying before things get better. You know and um. And uh, I know this is something that it wasn't one of your questions, but it's something I brought up before is that it's this it's this it's this romanticization of martyrdom. You know, like we look back and be like, oh, so and so so and they died. And it's like, oh, well, wow, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, this shouldn't have happened. And, and they're a hero and everything. And it's just like, but but their supporters and everything weren't even there to support them or, or sponsor them or they weren't you know, responsible and disciplined enough to make sure all these other things were in order so that they could live a prosperous life. A lot of people who were activists and, <clears throat> and who we see as being responsible for moving the needle on so many conversations and issues died poor, alone, and scared for their lives. You know what I'm saying? And, and a, um, lot of them, a lot of them didn't want to, they didn't volunteer to be a martyr. That's, yeah. <laughs> they yeah, just it, wanted it, to it, exist. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, ex exactly. And, uh, uh, yeah, and now more and more people are just recognizing that they were not able to exist under the system as it was, and and uh, now they're being proven that they're right, and everybody's kind of going in every direction because there's a vacuum of leadership. We have a crisis of of, of leadership and direction, you know. Have you uh have you seen the documentary on Hulu, uh, Batman and Bill? I have not. Uh, it's all about how Bob Kane took credit for creating Batman and would not let Bill Finger get his name on any fucking thing of Batman. And Ooh. when Bill Finger, because Bill Finger was just an artist that wants to create art, and he oh. didn't want the fame that Bob Kane wanted. 
Okay. So he was cool about just making this comic book. And then uh, finally when Batman got too, uh, got bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, he's like, hey, I don't need all the money, but could you at least like put my name on something? Because I would like to brag that I did something to for Batman. Right. And uh, Bill Finger uh, and Bob Kane and DC was the DC Comics. They're like, you know what? Uh, it would ruin our narrative, so we can't do that. Uh. And um, one of my friends, when I told him about this documentary and the story, he said that he doesn't feel like fighting for Bill Finger because Bill Finger didn't fight for himself. And I told him, why should people have to fight for themselves? Why can't we help them if they're not a fighter? Yeah. Here's an yeah, artist it, that's just making art. Let Come on, we can help him. Yeah, it's, it's, well, see, here's the, it's the, and the thing is that I, I agree with you. Um, but then there's a quote from Stokely Carmichael that I remember that kind of speaks to the other point, the other side of the, of the, of the coin, which is the quote is, nonviolence only works on an enemy with a conscience. So yeah. then, so then the example you gave of like, oh, why shouldn't an artist have to be a fighter? Well, because there's going to be motherfuckers like Bob Finger, or excuse me, not Bob Finger, but Bob uh, Kane. The Bob Kane. Um, yeah. There's, because there's because you have to take into account for your own self-preservation the ability to do that or the, excuse me the uh, the possibility of somebody you know like that like it's the same thing when I look at these musicians and I look at their you know think about their contracts they sign and stuff and it's just like you know you, you so much want to want to feel for the artist and be like man this is really fucked up from principles even though it was legal and stuff but at the same time when you go back and you listen to people talk about it, they're just like, oh, I didn't want to worry about that. I just wanted to be the artist and just chill back with, you know, saying the groupies and just get high and stuff. It's just like, look, I understand the indulgence. I understand, you know, you struggled so hard in your life just to, you know, develop your identity. You don't have to worry about all this blah, 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 blah. But it's just like, but then you're leaving yourself open to being used up by these people who don't share your moral code. You know, you can't, it's not, at a certain point, it's naive to go about in the world assuming that everybody else shares the same idea of right and wrong as you do. We can talk all day about what people should and shouldn't do, but if you're gonna survive, you're gonna have to worry about um, what people actually do to every extreme and protect yourself. You know, and that's, and that's why we have to be actively uh, anti-racism is because uh, in a perfect world, like okay, because I was thinking about, uh, have you seen the new Sonic movie? I have not. I've seen clips of stuff. I haven't seen it either. I want to see it. It looks like it could be good. Mm -hmm. um, and I kept thinking about how uh, Jim Carrey, I get his casting. He's great as Eggman. Every, every scene I've seen him in, it looks phenomenal. Uh, yeah. J James Marsden, I like his acting. He's great. But I don't think that we need another white guy being in his role. I don't think his role was that crucial to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, so I don't know the dynamics um, you know, of it and... Uh, you know, so I don't know the dynamics and stuff of it, but at the same time, I was kind of like, well, I've always thought Sonic was the star, you know, and I thought maybe like his human would kind of just, or the human would just kind of be like a sidekick or whatever. So in that in that respect, yeah, it's like maybe the character wasn't necessary, and then if they're necessary, why not at least throw in somebody that's different, unique, uh, correct? Uh, at least a different, at least a different face, you know. It, it, it almost sounds like we're asking for tokenism because uh, uh, it's like, well, y'all struggle so hard to give representation. Will you at least give us a token? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. As <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> it, fucked up as that sounds. Um, but no, it just goes to show like how deeply embedded expectations are, or, you know, because we also got to remember that it's not that, that, that you know, U.S., uh, the, the film studios are not catering less and less and less to Americans. It's moving mm -hmm. more so over to catering to, uh, you know, Chinese aesthetics and uh, cultural. That's a fair, that's a fair point. And, and the thing is that China, even though they have their own storied history, a lot of it does include um, this, you know, praise of, 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 of white people, you know, um, this putting of white, not just white people, but whiteness on a pedestal because they have their own issues with colorism and the different, you know, ethnic minority groups um, within China, which, you know, I don't know if it's just dozens or even hundreds, probably hundreds of thousands, um, you know, different groups and stuff that that get that. You know, when you think of Chinese, you just also you just always think of a of a skinny, very fair skinned, you know, individual with certain features because that's what they that's what they present, that's what they promote. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, so 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 it's it's yeah. So that, that's an interesting thing. That's so that's the thing about that. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 like where's that line between tokenism and representation? You know, um, 
and, and to me, what I look at it as, and this is more so obvious, like in the in the in the politics and commentary, is do you could have ten white people in a room and they all have completely radical ideas about stuff, and then you could also have a person of every single color of the rainbow, and they all agree, and they all agree. They're all culturally, you know, uh, uh, not monogamous, but um, uh, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? Homogenized. Homogenized. Yeah, no. Not monogamized, homogenized. Um, <laughs> I like monogamized though. It sounds like uh, that thing from the uh, the Muppets, the monogamized. No, monogamized. That's a deep cut, baby. That's a deep cut. Homogenized. Homogenized, yeah. But no, but that's you know, but it's like it's that's it. That's excuse me. That's uh, the dynamic, you know, um, in that respect. So so I don't know. It's um. It's going to be interesting just to see what happens with films and stuff uh, going forward. Is it going to completely start catering to these interests that are keeping these studios on the U.S. Uh, uh, afloat but have nothing to do or completely detached from Yankee culture? Uh, which I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. It'll open, it'll, you know, because then it's just going to leave the field open for uh, people to redefine what American uh, culture really is or Yankee, excuse me, Yankee culture. I try not to just say American because you know, you got Canada, you got, you know, Mexico, you got, you know, all the different Latin countries and stuff that are also, you know, part of the Americas. Honestly, I, uh, I haven't heard that terminology of Yankee culture. Uh, I'm going, I think I'm going to do it from now on because it also pisses me off when someone says, Amer- make America great. I'm like, you know, there's, there's more to America than the U.S., right? <laughs> and hell, even beyond, and even then when they say that, they usually just mean the continental U.S. They don't right. even think about, they don't even think about <laughs> They don't even think about Alaska or Puerto Rico or Hawaii most of the time, or even yeah. Samoa. You got to forget we have the, you know, the uh, Samoa Islands and whatnot. So a lot of times I'll go, I'll go uh, further to rewrite the sentence so I can say United States in a way that sounds. I can't say United States again. That's sorry. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Yankee, I'm like, huh? All right, no, I, I've, I've, I'm always a fan of when I hear another term that I like. I'm like, all right, cool. Well. Uh, <laughs> hey yeah man take that shit because because i started using it after yeah because i started using because i had an interest in um so uh and then we'll have to we'll have to start getting back to your questions because now we're just uh going all over the damn place uh no no uh, all, all over the damn place is a good thing because these are, these are important <laughs> topics i like i like all over this damn place <laughs> oh yeah um but real quick it's it's you know one of the reasons why i started doing that is i play i for the last I guess five years or so, four and a half years, I have been playing in what's uh, Brazilian drum groups, which are referred to as baterias. Um, Mm -hmm. And so naturally, I'm meeting people of all different backgrounds. Not even all of them are Latin, but, you know, even then it's like you got Peruvians, you got Brazilians, you got Mexicans, you got, you know, saying all all this stuff. And then outside of that, you have people who, um, you know, you got uh, like Europeans, you got like People Africans, you got different uh, uh, Asian groups and whatnot, right? So, um, and they all have an appreciation for for uh, uh, like Brazilian culture and stuff, right? And and it, 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 it's it's once again, it's just give, it's shaping out my idea of what it means to be an American and the ways in which we do compare and contrast uh, with all these different people. Because like, real quick history lesson, Brazil. And the United States are kind of like complete opposites in terms of like how they were founded. So they're both colonial states, right? They both had large indigenous populations that were wiped out by European settlers and whatnot and made way for uh, Afri- or excuse me, for um, uh, uh, transatlantic slave trade, uh, slavery, Tr- transatlantic slave uh, trade. That's yes. a hell of a lot of syllables. <laughs> it, is, it is. It is. It is. And, and, and uh, in the United States, the least amount of slaves were brought here. And Brazil had the most amount of slaves. Brazil was the last nation to outlaw slavery. Uh, the United awesome. States, they, the United States, they weren't first, but we had a huge civil war to kind of settle that shit, right? And um, and the thing is, is that when you talk to them and you look at their culture and whatnot, like we have a Black is Beautiful movement that's been around for like the, since the '60s and whatnot. They just barely had that in the last couple of decades. Their understanding and 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 how much they embrace their blackness and stuff is is completely different because. You know, and their political power, even though they're more, even though black people are only 13% of the population, we have outstanding presence in many different fields, you know, um, including political and political power, right? Brazil, 
they're the majority of the population and they are nowhere to be found in in almost any seats of power oh my god <laughs> no but they love but they love bringing them out but they love bringing them out to show off you know how sexy and exotic and attractive you know they are keeping up that vision of brazil which initially was part of the reason i was interested because i was just listening to like bossa nova the real like loungy you know saying soft uh, uh you know love which i still love this and it's still good music but you also got to remember at the same time while that music was being made they were living under a military dictatorship you know so you either made music that didn't approach those issues at all or you were like a Cayetano Veloso or a Gil Gilberto where you were making whatever music and then you started radicalizing as a college student, but then under threat of death and shit, you got kicked out of the country. But you created this, but then you created the wave of like radical thought um, in artistry and politics that would shape the country to this day, you know. And as a matter of fact, uh, Gilberto Gil, who is a full like black Brazilian and shit, he is, uh, I guess, like the cultural uh, 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 representative for Brazil and whatnot. So he's one of the few who has like a real seat of power. Um, there, but it's been a long, you know, saying damn struggle. Um, but, but in any way, the point I was trying to get to is as my understanding of their history and the culture became different and began to see the ways in which we're similar and dissimilar, I was like, wow, they're Americans too, in their own way. Peruvians are Americans too, Canadians are Americans too, Samoans are Americans too, and it's just all these different variations. And we've been taught or we've been trying to gro uh, groomed uh, to think that there is one idea of what an American is. And, I'm so, and it's like, no, it's like I'm a Yankee and I have no problems with that. You know, that's what it is. Constant, it's continental United Statism. That's what it is. Now, do you have a specific place where you uh, did? So you did you come up with uh, the term Yankee for people in the U.S.? No, no, oh no, of course not. I mean, Yankee is a is an old. Uh... No, no, as far as like the current use, when you started using. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so... <laughs> no, 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 I, yeah. I, I know it's an old word. I'm just. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's. Um, you know, honestly, I probably heard, I probably heard. Um, no, because the Latin folks they don't usually. Because the thing is, even they, even like the white Latin folks, they don't refer. To it as Yankees and stuff. I think that was just me. I think that was just kind of me, like trying to be uh, tongue in cheek, um, you know, because Yankee is usually used was used more as like an insult or kind of you know recognize like this really like ugly American. Yeah, um, like, I, I, I think I always hear like uh, British people do it in movies, say, "Oh, that's yeah. a damn Yank." <laughs> yeah, uncultured, these uncultured, you know, saying you know Yanks and stuff. But I wear it as like a source of pride. Like, no, I'm a Yankee, but I don't feel um, uh, closed off and and, and ignorant to that stuff but as far as like yeah i think yeah i, I can't remember anybody specifically saying that because like the uh, even white people from latin from latin countries even though they look like every other white folk out here they refer to them as uh, gringos and it's like okay. don't you know that you're the, it's like don't you know you're the gringo of your fucking respective country but like they once again that's another thing they don't have white guilt they haven't been groomed they haven't they haven't had the white guilt history and shit uh uh and political correctness that we've had We've been breaking y'all down for decades now. <laughs> they haven't, they haven't been putting in the same work. <laughs> they different conditions, Fuck. you know. Uh, but that's, you know, but that's, but that's the, you know, but that's just the, um, you know, that's the world and learning to engage with people where they are, not where they're at. But as far as I know, yeah, I'm the only one who really uses like Yankee uh, in that way. I think I'm going to adopt it. I just, uh, uh, for example, I was talking to my friend uh, Jasmine the other day and. Um, I had mentioned that uh, I, w I was talking to someone about uh, that stupid movie, The Plandemic, that came out, and uh -huh. um, I, I was arguing with one of my friends, and then her uh, her friends came at me, and I mentioned that they were a privilege of Karens. I used uh -huh. that term "privilege" as a <laughs> as a group of Karens, and she laughed. She's like, "You know, I've never actually heard someone use it in a conversation," <laughs> and I was yeah. like. I think it's great. When I see a meme and I like the terminology, I'll adopt it. <laughs> so, dude, that's that's what you said. It's a what of Karens? A privilege uh, of a Karens? A privilege of Karens, yeah. Oh, God. Like, yeah, like a pride of lions or a, a murder of crows and shit. Correct. Yeah. I like that. Okay, so, no, I, I love that. That was that was in a meme. I won't take credit for it. I'll, I'll try to find out who started it, but I saw that in a meme and I was like, deal. I like that. <laughs> Just always, just always be like, hey, random ass Twitterer, and when that random ass Twitterer comes and tries to claim this shit, be like, all right, I guess you get a cookie, you know. Here you go. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but see, the thing is, that, that's also the beauty of like the um, 
of making things quotable, you know, because sometimes people can, you can win people over or at least get away with making fun of them. Um, if you make it, if you make it not so much about humiliating them, but making a very, um, you know, you know, making that kind of, you know, connection there, because even you saying privilege with Karen's like on one hand, you're calling them Karen's, but you're also approaching it in a way that's kind of, you know, flippant and, and dismissive because it's kind of goofy to refer to that, to genuinely refer to them as a, um, as a privilege, you know, saying of Karen's. So it's kind of like this, uh, uh, you know, misdirection, you know, so it's like, you know, you leave room, for, you leave room open for somebody to hate you or to, uh, to respect you, you know? People, I, people respect cleverness. People respect cleverness, even from their enemies. You know, some people like it's just what is what it is. That that is very true. I've I've uh, <laughs> I have a hate stalker that likes to uh, share my comics with uh, insulting me, and I'm just like, <laughs> go for it, man. I, I I don't care about you sharing my stuff. Do it. Like it's yeah. it's the same thing when uh whenever I hear about people buying comic books just to burn them, I'm like, I got your oh. money, man. <laughs> like, yeah. You bought them. You bought them. Or any of these, you know, boycotts and shit like, oh, yeah, I bought this. I'm going to destroy it and stuff. And it's just like, you destroyed your own property. <laughs> that was your money. Buy... Yeah, it's, it's one thing to never go spend your money there again. But it's like, you know, at least, you know, keep the damn, you know what I'm saying? Keep the damn Keurig or keep the damn, you know, whatever the fuck and just use it till it's done and then just go buy from somewhere else. But it's, Correct. It's that, it's that, yeah, it's virtual don't, signaling. Don't, don't, don't buy the thing. And don't talk about the thing, and hopefully it'll disappear. But the moment <laughs> you start talking about it, you gave it a platform. You're advertising. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, this guy is a hate stalker, and he, because uh, uh, my comic strip is called Been Better, and he called it a bedwetter. And I was like, okay, I like that. <laughs> that, that, was a, that, that was the one time he was actually clever, and I was like, okay, all right, fair. No, that's good. I like that a lot. <laughs> Bro, I just agreed to do uh, a debate with, he's not like a hate stalker. He's somebody that I met doing stand-up, but we, but we have many back and forth and whatnot on, uh, on Facebook and everything. He follows the group and stuff. And the thing is, is that like, I, you know, I try not to completely humiliate people, but it's like, I do have to shut shit down. And I continuously shut his shit down. Sometimes my comebacks get more than his original posts and stuff. And like, <laughs> I'm just like, damn, why doesn't this dude fucking block me yet? He must really, like, actually enjoy this shit. And um, so then we had another back and forth this morning. And then at the end, I was just like, I was like, dude, this is great. We got to have a debate sometime. And he was like, I'm down. And uh, I was just like, yeah, I'll be in touch. But it's, it's, it's so fucking hilarious because some people, that's what they are in it for. They are in to just either be a thorn in your side or be like, hey, look at me. Look at how much I hate you. Um, you know, but then they also know so much about you. It's like, damn, you sound more dedicated than my than 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 fans or the people who said that they really like <laughs> care about my shit. You know, my friends who said that they were gonna listen to my songs and stuff, and then it sees it has no plays, and then you tell me I listen to all five of your songs and they're all trash. And it's like, you listen to all five of my songs though. <laughs> Thank you. I I know exactly how you feel. You bring up an obscure character I drew, and I'm like, hey. You pay attention. Mm. <laughs> you care. You, you really care. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you hate me. You say me things, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're coming out to support me more than my closest loved ones and shit. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, man. Uh, speaking of marketing, I'm just curious about this because I've, I've been seeing it you know, in a lot of corporations. They're doing this, and it feels like whenever there's like, kind of like a, a social language or a trending topic, a lot of companies try to adopt it. Um, you know, when Pride Month comes along, everyone has to be rainbows, uh, <laughs> even corporations where you're just like, you don't fucking care. Don't give me that. Um, and the same thing goes with uh, Black Lives Matter and the protests that a lot of companies are coming in saying they support. Um, do you think that any of these companies or which companies do you think are really legitimate? <clears throat> so this, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So, um, yeah, on that issue of, you know, just like appropriation and just, uh, you know, just using stuff as a marketing, using tokenism and whatnot. At the end of the day, you know, it's like, what this really comes down to is like, oh, you know, does their intent match the impact of their action? And at this point, I'm kind of like, I could give a fuck about what their intent is. I, I, I could care if all of these companies were just bullshitting and just using this to give themselves good PR because the impact, what it's saying is that we won the argument. 
what it's saying is that we pushed the bound, we pushed y'all so fucking far through all your bitching and moaning and your desire to uh, uh, preserve, you know, saying certain cultural expectations, and we shifted you, we mo- we moved you. And so, as while I never expect them to raise the white flag or, or say that you know we gave up and shit, it's like no, you motherfuckers lost. As far as the cultural war, you lost again, and now we're just trying to finish you up with the political, uh, 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 political war. But to me, all that says is that like we won, our argument won. That's why you have all these photo ops with these leaders and these uh, police uh, uh, doing this cringy bullshit of of like, yeah, we 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 kneel in solidarity with you, and we were wrong about Colin Kaepernick, and we were wrong about this shit. It's like. Whatever. Put your money where you put your money where your mouth is. Um, put put your put your put your money where your mouth is. That's all I really care about. What's the impact of all the shit you're gonna say? So as far as like that stuff like oh pride or Black Lives Matter or or you know uh, uh, ending domestic violence and stuff like that. Ultimately, as long as all these corporations are only gonna be caring about spending money and getting my money, the least they could do is show that they acknowledge my existence and respect me at the very least and now we have it happening uh you know up and down the board and and now it's really on us to hold them accountable and i just keep asking what are you going to do next we need to be pushing them being like no here's what you're going to do next here's how you're going to show what the fuck you're going to do here's how we're going to actually make you follow through and make sure that there's some positive impact to all this chitter chatter uh, that y'all throw around when it's convenient but but ultimately, it's like but ultimately, it's like they're flying our flag. They're using they, they they're taking their platforms and using it to fly the, or flying our flag on their space. And to me, it's hard to look at that as anything other than a victory. No, that's fair. I like that. <laughs> I I like it. It's just a, all right. Cool. You tweeted. All right. Let's see what else you got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Uh, I only ask because uh, I did see like Ben and Jerry's comment and Ben and Jerry's has always been more on the activist side, like saying up for how they believe. Mm-hmm. And I compare that to what the other companies have said. Now, the other companies have said, had said stuff more, you know, professional. Uh, mm-hmm. But I like I, I, I've always enjoyed the integrity of Ben and Jerry's or at least what I've seen. <laughs> right. No, ex- ex- exactly. You know, you have those exceptions. Um, you know, you, you have those exceptions like those, um, you know, who really live it and everything. Um, but it's, you know, it's naturally to be skeptical about all these other ones, because even if you do really want that, even if you really do want these things, you're <clears throat> being a CEO or a leader of a company doesn't mean you just do whatever the hell you want. You know, yeah, you get a nice paycheck, you get nice benefits, but that's as long as you keep the ship afloat or steering in an overall general direction. But if enough of the stakeholders or the other leaders in there decide, hey, you're not really fitting with the program, and then also you're legally obligated to meet certain uh, uh, financial expectations. Then you gotta go. Um, so th- you know it's it's so it also just speaks to, excuse me, it also just speaks to we shouldn't be expecting too much from these companies more than, more from these com- too much from these companies because of the infrastructure that 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 keeps them together. You know, um, it's like yeah, it's it's good that we push them to this degree and and keep trying to push them to do other stuff, but we also got to realize that the reason why they exist or in those positions is because um, they don't represent a threat to the machine. We do. And so that means we can't just be satisfied with whatever it is that they're willing to offer put on the table. We have to, we have to bring the table to them and be like, you're going to have, a, you're going to take a fucking seat or we're going to seat you down. See, I like yeah. that interpretation of like, uh, cause I, too many people complain online about cancer culture. And it's like, I, I love cancel, cancel culture. <laughs> I love the idea of like telling people, Hey, this company's a dick. Let's not give them money. <laughs> yeah, and and the funny thing is, is the people who often complain about that they're also the quote unquote free market uh, yeah. let the market speak let the market speak for itself nobody wants to read a comic with gay characters but wait but the whole reason why they're doing this is because millions of people ask for it no well that's just because they want to be pc it's like oh so it's just you just you just keep moving the goalposts wherever you need to in order to uh in order to feel right you just don't want to accept that maybe your way of doing things wasn't uh uh that, you're, that what you thought of as normal and standard maybe was not normal and standard and that it's being replaced, it's being overshadowed by uh, something else. You know, it's, it, it's interesting that you brought up comic books because uh, one of my friends asked a question. And I, want, I want to ask this question. It's not even a question on my list. I just thought this, this, this is always an interesting question I think about. Which group do you think is more diverse? 
uh, comic book writers or comic book artists? Oh, shit. Writers or artists? Oh, damn. Uh, I'm going to say my bias is leaning towards writers. Writers? Yeah. I said artists. Yeah. Because I feel like the company is more comfortable about a white voice uh, leading the way of the, the, the plot of the characters and uh-huh. letting, uh, letting any artist draw it. Uh, you know what? You know what? I see. I see your point. I see your point. Um, well, then wait a minute. Wouldn't that mean? Wait. So then, do artists not typically? Well, I, I guess I look at it like this. Do in that in that space, are writers usually not connected to to the drawing of the artist and vice versa? Is that how is that how stratified it is? Because I would I would think that normally if you create a character, you also create the story behind them and vice versa. But is it that strat? Is it that divided? As far as, like, uh, I mean, it depends on what comic is being written, because I know some comic books, uh, uh, for example, the Ghostbuster comic book, the artist is a lot more involved in the script writing, because mm-hmm. they get to, like, because uh, they were doing it where um, they introduced uh, Louis Tully's brother, and Louis Tully's brother was Eugene Levy, and I asked whose idea was that, and they said it was Dan Shoney, the artist, because he's a huge Ghostbuster nerd. But mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of times, uh, as far as comic books are concerned, uh, there's they'll be like a script and they'll tell uh, what kind of characters, um, what uh, what race the characters are, what they look like, um, what their sexuality is, um, and the artist is just there. So you'll see you see diversity in the background, and the CEOs are okay with mm-hmm. that. They'll say, "Oh, well, cool. See what we did? We have them in the background, um, but then the main characters are still going to be white, cisgender, and heterosexual." Yeah, you know what. No, that's interesting you say that because when I think about it, because my bias is that, because my bias is that, oh, creating a character or something that looks good is more so about like aesthetics, whereas when you write, you're automatically you're you're necessarily creating a framework from which everything else extends, including the character's image. So I guess that's just my you know my bias and like where I was coming from at it. But when you when you explain it like that. It does make a lot more sense that, like, hey, look at our di- uh, diverse group of artists, but we're not telling you that they basically had no choice in the characters that they had to uh, draw in the scripts that they uh, got to work on. Now, I haven't actually looked at the statistics, and I'm trying to figure out where I would look. Like, it does DC Comics or Marvel Comics, the big ones, or any kind of comic mm-hmm. books. Like, where, where are you going to find that statistic? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's one of those things. And see, that's the tricky thing about that stuff is that it makes it easy for people to say, hey, we're not discriminatory. We're not, you know, saying, you know, blah, 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 blah. But then again, it goes to that, like, that tokenism, you know, element where you have all these different faces, all these people with different backgrounds, but either they share, they all think the same, or you're forcing them into creating content that, that fulfills, um, you know, one, one point of view. It's, you know, it's tokenism, but from different, but from different ends. Yeah. No, I totally, I totally agree. And uh, uh, I, that's why whenever I go to comic book conventions, it's usually going to be there to give money to the, uh, the artist alley, because that's where I'm going to find uh, the diverse group of writers and artists that are making their own comic book. It's not led by stockholders or what, whatever the fanboys are raging against, that sort of thing. They're just making their stories that they feel passionate about. Okay. Yeah, that's what's Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's what's up. No, it's interesting you say that because, like you said, I'm not really familiar with the comic books world, mm-hmm. but those in the animator world. But you know, at the end of the day, these are still you know offsprings of the of the general culture, and so you see the same tendencies manifest in the comic book world, in in the music industry, in theater. You know, what I'm saying, in you know, in everything, because um, that's the bedrock, that's the foundation from which from which they all you know they all come from. Now, speaking of comic books, mm. which X-Men would you love to interview on your podcast or, like, or have a conversation with on your podcast? I would say uh, Mystique. Mystique? Nice. Mystique. And the reason why I said that is because, you know, um, you know, she's one of the few characters that I know. I know she's a long-time character. She's been around for a minute. Um, and, you know, obviously she's a, a, a shapeshifter. Um, and, and, and the thing is, is that when you, there's a certain, <clears throat> so, so I know this from a different comic with the Watchmen and whatnot, but the character, Dr. Manhattan, right? 
when he undergoes this shit that he goes through, he has a completely detached, he has a complete like detachment, a completely different relation to humanity and carbon-based life forms as a result of that shit, right? Mystique, not only is she, you know, she looks the way that she does physically, even though she could blend in if she wants to, she also has this ability knowing that like, I can be whatever a person needs me to be to be, um, to pass or, you know, or fail, you know, saying by them, right? And so it would be interesting to talk to somebody who is able to, uh, 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 that's meshed in those different extremes of where I can make myself the most hated, okay. where I can be the <laughs> most hated, where I can be the most hated or loved uh, person um, and literally change myself from different, you know, in those respects uh, uh, for the, whoever I'm engaging with. I think that's, you know, obviously it's not the most powerful thing. It's not the most like, you know, crazy thing to affect the world, but it's, it's when it comes down to like understanding the human mind and what motivates people and shit, I feel like that she could be, you know, probably just as informative as like a Dr. Xavier or like a, a, one of the mind reading, you know, memes. Um, I think it's also about how she holds herself because if she, if she turns into a Senator and she, uh, mm-hmm. She has posture that's hunched over and like she, she's walking timidly. That's not mm-hmm. going to that's she's not going to be able to invade the area because she's going to stand out. She right. has to walk the walk to be able to be the character. No, that's, yeah, exactly. It's, ugh, oh, my God. Yeah, it's like you, she, it's like you have to be you have to have a deep you have to have a deep understanding of human perception. You have to have a deep understanding of the human condition. You have to have a deep understanding of all these different contexts. Uh, to be able to do what she does, because at the end, of, because besides her ability to transform and whatnot, I don't think she has like any other like special like powers. She's just like a. Otherwise, she just has good combat skills. You know. Yeah, but yeah. she's not like she's she's not immortal. She can't take an extra amount of like you know physical damage, as far as I understand. You know, so in many ways, she's just like a, a more advanced um, uh, humanoid, or you know, she, she. I guess you can see her as like a next stage. A, a more developed stage of, of humanity, you know, a more complex phase of humanity. Because think about if we all could shape, what if we all could shape shift? Like ultimately we knew who the person was at their core, but that the presentation, you could turn yourself a man, the woman, child, you know, you know, all, all that different shit, you know, saying throughout the day, you know, then how would that, how would, it would make our interactions so much more complex and layered and um, you wouldn't be able to get away with the same, you know, assumptions. You'd have to be a little more sophisticated in the way you, you, uh, think about other human beings and yourself, and are just just knowing the subtle subtle uh, characteristics of the person that we're talking to to be able to recognize them. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, so that, mystique, so mystique, uh, with either mystique or uh, uh, yeah, mystique. I love your answer, mystique. That's because uh, it, it it made me think of things of the character that I never even thought about because I've seen her change in, in character, but there's still so much more to becoming that character than just the physical attributes. Dude, and the, and the thing is, is that like you say that, and this is the thing that's made me come to respect the uh, acting a lot more, mm-hmm. because I used to uh, be, you know, I used to like, you know, uh, I've always appreciated actors and whatnot, but but um, I consider that medium like lower on the totem pole, um, you know, as opposed to like illustrative or director and whatnot. But then you see certain artists whom, even when they don't make a lot of grand physical changes and stuff, like they. They change their posture. They change the tone of their voice. They, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, it takes years for you to develop your posture and years for you to develop your voice and stuff. And for people to be able to, like, change that stuff, you know, saying through multiple projects throughout the year for years on end and or months and, and years on end in some cases, um, there's no less artistry in that than producing an album or writing a script and directing a film or creating a comic strip. So, um, uh, you know, understanding just how much more involved it is than just memorizing a script and going in and making certain facial expressions and standing on a fucking square, you know, there's, there's there really is a lot more to um, to acting on on a on a you know whether it's a Broadway and theater or if it's a film. That's why a lot of times character actors are my favorite, just because they have to be so different. Like Gary yeah. Oldman is still someone I I put up really high up there. Um, so. This is the end of the podcast episode. Uh, I feel like we can talk forever, and I look <laughs> forward. I look super forward to uh, COVID being over because I <laughs> realize how much I enjoy your company and talking about anything. It's been a blast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I I enjoy this as well t- uh, too. Uh, I'm used to doing like hours long podcasts, so this this feels <laughs> really this feels really brief. It's like a snack for me. But um, 
but no, but same thing. It's made me really, you know, like really see like who is it that really brings value every day uh, to my life or who do I really appreciate, you know, engaging with. And yeah, you definitely are a person and so many other people that, that I've discovered. And it's mainly just been from putting myself out there and just uh, uh, putting my own views and saying, this is what I think. And then, uh, uh, you know, there are a lot more people who, who feel that and, and are getting inspiration and getting value out of that shit. You know? And I look forward to every post that you do on Facebook. You're, you're, uh, it's very politically fueled and uh, learning about Kimba was interesting. And I oh, highly recommend I highly recommend everyone to follow you on every social media that thing that you have, which is like what were your social media things? Oh, sorry. So um... <laughs> I know that wasn't that was a horrible setup. That was a horrible setup. <laughs> so um so as far as like my name, my personal uh, profiles and stuff, it's L Samboy. So E L and then S A M B O I, and then the pod, and that's on different you know platforms. And then the podcast is it's all relative podcast. Or on Instagram, it's I A R underscore podcast. Um, but if you can find me on one of those platforms, then you'll find then you'll be able to see my links to all the other ones. So if you find me one place, you'll find me everywhere. And what words of wisdom do you want to give the listeners? I want to say, and I'll try to answer real quick. One of the questions I know you wanted to ask was, okay. I know a lot of protests and social activism and stuff going on, and that's great. However, my advice to you is really lock down the privacy and data tracking settings on all your social media, all your devices. And if you know that you're not going to stop posting really wild, crazy shit that could possibly be used against you in court, then you need to make that a completely separate account um, that has nothing to do with your personal stuff. Um, and then like detag yourself and, and stop doing all those location check, you know, all those location check-ins and stuff. So start, start being, um, <clears throat> consider the fact that it doesn't matter what rules and laws or codes of conduct are accepted, that we are in uh, warfare at this point. And um, anybody, can, anybody can be a victim on any side. So uh, just don't hand over your information uh, and data on a silver platter. <laughs>